The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. So welcome, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on, and good evening, because I know we have potentially have people listening to us from all over the world. I want to thank you for for every coming to the virtual conference for the ACB, for the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project. This is our fifth panel we have done in the last couple of days. On the first day, we did one on the CVTA, the 21st Communication Video Accessibility Act, which Senator Markey will be reintroducing this fall which has to do with audio description, communication, access, accessible cell phones, deafblind distribution equipment program, and advanced video communication systems. And all these things I mentioned will be available as a podcast, which is why I'm mentioning them. We, then we did one where we did an update on all the streaming services with, with all the major players, Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Amazon, Apple, Peacock, uh, and I can't remember them all, but they were all there, and that was uh, fun to listen to. And then yesterday we did two, one on the certification process. ACB is looking into creating a certification process for those who want to work in the field of audio description so that when we hire people to work in the field of audio description, we know we're going to get a good product. And and then we also had one chaired by Dr. Tabitha Kinman, who is here now, who spoke on your description in the art. It's not just in film and television, it's in theater, it's in museums, it's in national parks. Today, we're doing one on audio description for kids, which we'll discuss more in a second. This morning, Dr. Joel Schneider did one on research on audio description with academics from all over the world talking about what they're doing in terms of research for audio description. And then later this afternoon, Dr. Joel Schneider is doing one on audio description around the world. We're not the only country doing audio description, so um, tune in to that. We are thrilled to, oh, and then the week of the physical convention in Schaumburg, Ohio, um, Illinois, excuse me, next week, we are actually going to be showing three films with audio description. Two will be the two previous Best Picture winners. After that tradition, we show the Best Picture winner with audio description. So that will be Cola, and I highly recommend Cola, Child of a Deaf Adult, for those who don't know, because it'll give you, those of you who may not be aware of the deaf community and their culture, it'll give you some education on how they communicate and live their lives and, and uh, just able to do everything that everybody else, we all do. And it's fascinating um, for those who aren't part of that and understand that culture. Secondly, we will be showing this year's winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And then we will all be also be showing a film by a blind filmmaker, which is audio described called One Step at a Time, about his journey as he does um, a 26 mile hike. So having said all that, I want to Turn this over to Dr. Tabitha Kinlan, who is our full-time ADP coordinator because of the increased needs of advocacy, 
and that we're doing more and more and more. American Council of Blind decided to hire a full-time audio description project coordinator, and she had been with us since January, and she helped to oversee the ADP website along with our webmaster, Fred Braff, and the ADP website is adp.acb.org and help to run the five subcommittees. And I'll just say what they are, not what they do. We have a section 508 committee which deals with government entities and their videos. We have a media committee. We have a performing arts committee. We have a conference committee which plans things like this for today. And then we have a Beatty committee, benefits of audio description and education committee, which um, encourages young people in K through 12 to write essays and become critics of audio description so that they have a lifelong passion and love of audio description. Um, take it away, Tabitha. Thank you, Carl. Um, and I, I have to uh, also say that we have a committee, um, of a couple other awards committees. They're the ADP Awards Committee um, that gives awards um, for achievement in uh, media by an individual in performing arts. Um, in museums and um, a special career achievement award. And the winners will be announced on July 5th. So don't miss that. And then we also have the audio description awards gala, which happens in November and recognizes, um, you know, big industry uh, uh, you know, organizations and studios um, that, that do a great job providing audio descriptions. And, oh, which reminds me, um, started from last year, we invited uh, everyone to participate and uh, created a People's Choice Award. And I think it's either, I think tomorrow or, or maybe Monday is your last chance to put in your nominations for the People's Choice Award. So make sure that that's, uh, that if you haven't already. Okay, so Carl and I are joined by um, a great panel of, um, of experts to share with us what they are doing to create audio description for kids, children, young people, choose your, <laughs> your appropriate noun. Um, so I'm going to introduce them briefly and then we'll give them a chance to tell us a little bit more about who they are and what their organizations do. Uh, we have Jason Stark, the CEO of the Described and Captioned Media Program and uh, Jason and DZMP are also partners with us in the Beatty Essay Contest. So we work really closely to uh, to read all those essays and choose a winner, which uh, we will also on July 5th um, get to hear our grand prize winner reading her essay. So tune in for that too. Uh, we have Jamie Asniv, the audience services manager at Wheelock Family Theater at Boston University. We have Matt Kapowitz, president of Bridge Multimedia and Sam Gould, Open Doors Theater, um, uh, from Open Door Theater and founder of Think Outside the Vox, V-O-X voice, which I love. <laughs> okay, um, so do we just want to start and um, give each of you a little bit more, a uh, little chance to tell us who you are and uh, what what you and, and your organization do. We'll just go in that same order for, for starters. Um, so Jason. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jason Stark, the CEO of the Described and Captioned Media Program, uh, DCMP. DCMP is uh, funded by two U.S. Department of Education grants through the Office of Special Education Programs. Um, at our core, we have a unique video-on-demand platform uh, that provides about 17,000 accessible educational media items 
for students with disabilities. Um, this content is um, all grade levels from preschool school through uh, high school age students, all curricular areas. And then through these two grants, we produce um, several hundred hours of uh, accessible content. Um, this is content that's you know uh, created specifically for classroom use, digital first content. So we're working with YouTube um, like partners and uh, also broadcast television content. And uh, as Tabitha and Carl mentioned, um, we participate in the Bay 80 contest uh, and get feedback from kids, which is really cool. So uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Jamie. Hi, everybody. My name is Jamie Azim. I use the she, her pronouns. I'm the audience services manager at Wheelock Family Theater. I have long brown hair. I'm a white woman in my early 30s with dark rim glasses as well. And I'm, as I said, from Wheelock Family Theater at Boston University. We were the first theater in New England to offer audio description back in 1992. And we do three to four main stage shows per year. All of them do have at least one to three dates that are audio described, ASL interpreted, and open captioned. We have a full, full robust uh, education program for students in pre-K through 12th grade that runs throughout the year, as well as in the summer. And then we do one to two teen ensemble shows per year as well. So we are always moving that calendar along and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Matt, tell us a little bit about Bridge. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Kaplowitz, Bridge Multimedia. And uh, Bridge is an accessible media organization that provides uh, audio description, sign language, captioning, for television, for film, for museums, for uh, uh, corporate communications, and for the uh, advertising uh, industry. We've been doing uh, children's description for uh, more than a decade for PBS Kids, Nickelodeon, Sesame, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, we do about five or six shows a week in Spanish, audio described on Telemundo. Um, also, the CW, a little bit on Cartoon Network, a little bit on CNN. And uh, lastly, we have uh, just finished our sixth accessible browser-based game and uh, mobile game. Uh, completely playable, all of them with no screen. And uh, all of these games um, I mentioned have uh, have won top awards, not to brag about it, but to indicate how the accessibility factor can strengthen it rather than um, be something that complicates it. It just won uh, from kids screen the uh, 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 best best learning app of the year. Um, so uh, looking forward to this conversation and joining my uh, colleagues here and talking about kids description. Great, nice. thank you and congratulations. Thank okay. you. And Sam. Good morning. I'm Sam Gould. I'm a middle-aged Ashkenazi Jewish woman with salt and pepper hair wearing a purple box shirt this morning. Um, I'm from Open Door Theater, which is an integrated nonprofit theater um, with a mission to create accessible art. So we do ASL interpretation, 
um, audio description, sensory friendly, and captioning of all of our performances. Last performance that we did had 50 actors on stage and, and a service dog. <laughs> Half of the actors identify with disabilities, including a deaf lead, Patrick Starr, for SpongeBob. Um, I also founded with my partner, Chris Robinson, Think Outside the Vox, which is an arts access consulting and coaching nonprofit. Um, with an anti-ableist lens, anti-racist lens to promote culturally competent access, um, especially including um, AD. Could you just kind of give us a, a little bit of a, a lay of the land? Um, what is available for uh, for young people um, that, that is available with audio description for young people? There you go, prepositions. Um, so you, we've got a couple live theater folks here and um, also got some uh, you know, video content. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit more about what sort of specifically um, you provide? And I guess we'll just go in the same order if that's okay with everybody. Um, so uh, sorry, Jason, that means sure, you're doomed no, no to problem. go first. <laughs> um, again, uh, DCMP focuses on um, purely educational content. Um, Obviously, the lines get a little bit blurred there. There's a lot of, you know, edutainment type content that is is very educational for kids, even though it doesn't necessarily fall in the district uh, curricular um, model. And so um, our content literally um, is all grade levels, um, all subject matter. So English, history, arts. Um, on the broadcast television side, we're doing um, uh, the content for the, the Fox block, which is the exploration um, space content. Um, we're doing some work for Nickelodeon. Um, so again, there's just a wide variety of content on the on the educational side. And um, we'll say that, you know, the DCMP platform not only focuses on audio description, but also focuses on content that's captioned. Um, and we're also doing American Sign Language. So we've we've added about 800 um, titles recently with uh, ASL interpretation. And uh, so we're really excited about bringing um, that third level of accessibility to the platform. Thank you. I'm excited about the space. I, I might have to watch those videos myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're never too old to learn, right? <laughs> okay, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit more about um, about the shows that, that you do at Wheelock? Yeah, so we like we in our strategic planning process, we came up with a definition of what is family theater, um, because we found that sometimes that everybody can be part of a different family, it can be your chosen family or your family that you are related to. And so we do a wide range of shows um, that kind of go off around that topic of family. Um, so we this past season, we did Matilda, Roald Dahl's Matilda, Make Way for Ducklings, and then Bud Not Buddy, which is based off of a book. Um, so we had sort of all those different age levels for young folks in there. And each one of those performances, or each one of those productions, I'm sorry, had at least two performances that were audio described. We also have braille and large pro program, um, programs available as well. And then we do have mats for service dogs and water dishes that we put out as well um, for when folks come and would like that so their dogs can be comfy. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Matt, tell us a little bit more about Bridge. <laughs> uh, uh, but just a uh, physical description, middle-aged, bald-headed uh, white man, glasses, wearing a blue shirt, mustache. Uh, in terms of, I, I 
already gave a rundown of most of it, but two other things that are germane is first, um, Bridge was one of the co-founders of the Real Abilities Film Festival, which is the largest film festival in the country now. So it just we just finished our 15th season um, and it runs about a week um, and it's films for kids, films for adults, uh, films of buy-in for uh, people with disabilities. Uh, the other thing to mention is that we do a lot of pro bono work for nonprofit organizations with uh, social missions that align with ours. And um, just it's sort of related indirectly is we're also working on a, with a one of the new um, autonomous vehicle companies manufacturing self-driving cars and although that it, it's a rideshare thing like uber but they're self-driving cars but the interesting intersection here is with a lot of communities that are not served by public transportation because of issues um sometimes perceived issues with safety and so on and so forth so it's a very interesting intersection of people who are blind in um, neighborhoods not often served by public transportation, as well as people who are deaf, uh, people with cognitive impairments, people with mobility impairments. And uh, we're also doing sign language on some of the videos as well as captioning. Um, and this is, is valid for children as well as every age, but I hope we do have a little opportunity during this to just discuss the, you know, the social mission of audio description within how we serve children. Um, thank you. Great. Thank you. Hey, and Sam. Um, so the question is, what is what is available for AD for young people? So um, I'm a voracious consumer of audio description. So there isn't a lot, to be honest with you. I think um commercially marvel and disney do a decent job with ad although it's not 100 percent culturally competent it doesn't always match the tone of the piece but um as far as live ad goes uh we lock and open door are really the only two that i can think about in um in our, at least our math area um perhaps our, our museums are doing a good job in in the in the boston area as well and um we've pulled some of the um, great museum describers out for open door we recently did an Ask Me Fair, um, which was a, an event that we hosted at a library where we, where we invited intersectional speakers, including a deafblind speaker um, and a blind scientist slash astronaut uh, to come and speak to the kids and the kids could ask questions um, and, and learn about their differences. And we had audio describers at that event um, to also illustrate for all kids, not just blind uh, kids who um, might not be aware of the technology to to introduce the technology to people and, and the service so but unfortunately i don't know i don't see a lot of ad for kids i see a lot of ad for adults uh, in the mass area which is great but not enough for kids your event sounds like a lot of fun okay so I, i'm gonna jump in which i think with a question which i think you can all answer relatively easily because this is an area you're all working on. And I'm gonna combine the next two questions. One, when creating audio description for children or families with children or 
Is there a difference in the way then you would create it? Is audio description different than that of how it would be created for adults? And if so, what do you have to keep in mind when creating that audio description? Are there considerations you have to keep in mind? So how is audio description for children different than that of adults? And what do you have to keep in mind when you're creating that audio description? And why don't we start with Jason? Sure, well, you know, one of the cardinal rules of, of uh, creating AD is describe what you see, but of course the, the challenge comes in um, finding the, the quiet parts of a production to um, actually do that. And so it's a, it's all a, a job of prioritization. And so um, speaking through the lens of educational content, um, the prioritization is focused on um, what is curricularly important for the kids to learn. It may not be as important to know the setting or the clothing options. It's more important to know what say a, a you know, chemistry professor is is pouring a, a blue liquid into a red liquid and it explodes in a cloud of smoke. So that prioritization is is a little bit different when describing um, educational content for kids. Um, also, a thing that to keep in mind is the grade level of the students. Um, you need to use age appropriate vocabulary. Obviously, you can't use high school um, aged vocabulary if you're describing a program for, you know, third graders. And so there's just a couple of the uh, examples of of ways that that we focus differently on educational description. Okay, great. Um, Jamie? So for Wheelock Family Theater, there is no difference. Our shows come with their own age recommendations um, themselves. And we will have the same, just like we have our same performance, whether we're doing a student matinee for kids in third grade or for our public that is coming on a Friday night. It's the same show and our description and our interpretation, ASL interpretation, whatever it is, it's gonna be the same. And that's something that we believe in is that it's actually that you have the same experience, whether you're coming to a public performance or a school matinee. Um, I'd also like to add to that we, the other small difference for us is that we had to unfortunately stop it during COVID, but we're hoping to bring it back, is that for students, we um, have done drama shops in the past and before show tactile tours. Um, and that's something that the kids would be able to come up on stage and touch the puppets or costumes and feel things before they actually sat through the show. And you also do, just like I know Samantha does, and we'll, when she gets to hers, we'll talk about hers, but you also do a pre-show of audio description before the show starts describing the costume, the set and that sort of thing, if you get there a few minutes early, correct? Yes, that's correct. So we have our primary audio describer who will describe the show as it happens. And then we have a secondary audio describer who does that pre-show, who will describe the set, the costumes, the actors in their own words. We ask all the actors how they want to be described. And then we'll say like, Jamie as the mailman wears a white, shirt and white pants and then if she also plays the um dog she wears a brown fur coat <laughs> uh, so it tells them not only what the actor is but what the costume pieces the actor wears okay so um so you're trying to write audio description that all age ranges can enjoy both adults and children 
it's what a unified. You're not uh, where Jason has to be specific to the age range and content of the material, depending on what age range that's for. You're trying to write it. It's family oriented, but it's so that all members of that and all age groups can enjoy it. Correct. Okay, great. Matt, how do you do children's television different? Because I know you've done both adult-oriented audio description, not adult, but I mean adult content and children's television programming. How do you guys approach audio description differently uh, from one genre to another? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's complicated, actually, because when we work on children's programming, we, first of all, um, as just as was Jason saying, we're looking at age ranges and we're thinking a lot, not only about the learning content, but the social, social emotional learning level and how, how that ties into it. And we have to remember for children who were born blind, facial expressions, body language, this is a place that audio description is tremendously helpful beyond the program itself that it's, is being described when there's an opportunity to say, when someone is surprised, their mouth makes an O expression. That could be new expression to the blind child or, or other ways that the physical and the facial go together. It also, um, we've tested with... Uh, audiences of, of children on the autism spectrum. And um, so we look very closely at that. We also, for every children's TV show, there is a, what they call a show Bible. And the show Bible has, it's usually about 20 pages long. Every character is described intensely. And we get the show Bible first. We understand we understand what the uh, the goals and objectives are, the learning goals, the entertainment goals. And then the nuances is the parent called mom or mama, mommy or dad or papa, uh, uh, to, to align all of those things so that it's very smooth. And the other thing that's very much um, part of it now is race. And how is race described to children so we can present race in the most socially forward way uh, without stuffing anything down anyone's throat. Um, and these are things that are quite different. We spend a lot of time um, internally discussing it and also bringing in speakers to get perspectives on race as it applies to children's audio description. Well, and I know Wendy Sask, who's on your staff, does a lot of research in that area. Yes. Uh -huh. And um, uh, the, just the, the, last, the last thing is the fun factor. Children's audio description has to be fun. It cannot be clinical. It cannot be dry. The casting has to provide engagement for the listener. The audio describer is still the second violin, not the lead 
leader in the orchestra, but there has to be engagement. There has to be spark. There has to, whatever it is, that that is a key part of it. And, you know, when it reaches adult, it, it can almost be a little bit intrusive, but for children, it's it's it, it's it, for the blind child. It can be really how they they're learning the world. So, this gets to the next question, and we'll go back and ask this question to everybody else. But since you brought up casting, you just cast in voices for the children's program, and have you ever cast young talent, children, to do the voice and also? Well, you, you know, first of all, don't forget Sam. Okay. She, she didn't have a chance on the last one but anyway we did a lot of that in, in in at one point but we discovered when we would bring in groups of children to test it was harder for them to differentiate the characters in a show from the audio description voice and when a lot of children's programming has children's voices what could be better than a, a kid to do the description? But sometimes it doesn't work out. And okay. um, it, 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 it has a lot to do with the casting for the main part of the show. But there are certain voices that you hire specifically to deal with the children's program and genre. I oh, love have. it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Nothing yeah. better. You know? yeah. All right. Sam. How do you guys go about um, your shows are family oriented, just like the family Wheelock Theater? I saw, what was it? Uh, SpongeBob, uh, I forget what it was called. Help me out here, Sam. What the did SpongeBob I just SpongeBob Musical Girl. Huh? The SpongeBob Musical Girl. There we go, the SpongeBob Musical, which I actually enjoyed. Um, but how would you, uh, all your shows are uh, geared toward? children and family? And if so, how do you uh, go about creating audio description geared toward that um, that audience? Well, let me build a little bit on what Matt said, because it's not all of our programming is children's programming, but, but it's mostly family friendly. Um, I'm of the opinion that all good AD should match the tone of the piece so that the audio describers that we're hiring to describe our shows are going to match the tone. So our, our describers for SpongeBob um, were, were delivering with a whimsical tone so that they matched um, the action that was on stage in SpongeBob. Um, we also uh, are really intentional in making sure that we're hiring um, actors who, and, and voice talent um, for our, our audio description who are culturally competent. We um, in, in, have uh, done some work um, creating and training new BIPOC audio describers so that we can hire them in our theater. Um, we always describe race and we always describe disability on our actors on stage because representation matters. And the audience members who are listening to AD have just as much of a right as the audience members um, who are cited to know what they're seeing on stage. And so we make sure that we're describing that. Um, we also always have a blind consultant on our AD team, and we also um, usually on, always on, on our AD team, but uh, um, always on our shows and in our access teams have a neurodiverse consultant because some of the AD that we're producing um, factors into our neurodiverse audience. Um, and we, when we do our, we do tactile tours, which we tailor 
towards if we have a kids group coming in or if we have an adult group coming in, um, we will tailor the, the tactile tour that way. Um, but also we do uh, kind of an interesting thing, which is we, we publicize our, our pre-show on um, our website and we publicize it in our Facebook in advance so that people can listen to it before the show. But then we do open AD. So when our whole audience comes into the theater, we're um, ADing um, the pre-show for the whole audience. So we're illustrating the technique, which is kind of wonderful because in uh, one year we did an outdoor performance, The Lightning Thief, um, during COVID and one of our audience members was blind, had never experienced audio description and was able to opt into a headset and enjoy the technology um, that she'd never experienced. Um, and we also, when we do our open AD, we project um, an ASL interpreter uh, interpreting the, the audio description in, in American Sign Language so that the deaf doesn't put out on the AD show as well. So. Um, and we caption our AD as well. So we have all of that. Yeah, it's quite a multimedia experience. Um, when I went to your show several months ago, uh, my wife is my personal audio describer. And although you and I have had several conversations, Pam, I knew what to expect. I still was um, overwhelmed isn't the right word, in awe of the enormity of everything you were trying to do it all at once. Open audio description, open captions of the audio description, open signing of the audio description, open audio description. Um, uh, uh, it would, And then the inclusive cast members and the staff uh, you had, uh, it was just, it was just a, it was a very cool experience and one I hadn't experienced much before. So, um, Sam speaking, let me just um, hit on something that Carl said too. I think another critical path with audio description for children and, and for adults is that, um, especially with live theater and also with movie theaters, is that the front of the house knows the equipment and knows the technology and can explain it to people. Um, I, as I said, I'm a consumer of audio description and I've trained the actors in our theater to be consumers of audio description. So they go into their local community movie house and they ask for an audio description headset so that the front of the house of the movie theater learns how to use the audio description headsets and they can, they can troubleshoot it on the spot. So, I mean, this is what we should all be striving towards is to make sure that not only the, 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 the AD is there, but that the AD is working and everybody knows how to use it. Great, Tabitha, do you wanna take the next question? Um, so I think, again, one or two people anticipated, um, but um, of course, we are always curious to what extent uh, do you use um, people who are blind or visually impaired in your process as consultants or voice talent or, um, you know, editing anything um, in the process, um, you know, that we're all big fans of the nothing about us without oh. us. Um, yeah. So um, can we start again with Jason? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, DCP does um, involve um, blind individuals in our process, um, particularly in the in the voicing side of things, but definitely in the, um, the QC control process as well. Um, we also get a lot of feedback from um, our user base. Um, those are, are obviously not um, all individuals with disabilities, but those are teachers and parents and others um, working with the students. And then if I can touch quickly on the Beatty contest, because I think that's a unique 
um, way of in, involving blind consumers in the in the feedback. And uh, for those who don't know about the Beatty contest, um, students are invited to watch a production with audio description, um, whether that be an educational content item from from the DCP collection or a theatrical movie, um, whatever content they can have access to. And then um, write an essay, um, particularly on the impact of the description. You know, we're not asking them to uh, be a movie critic um, per se, but to to actually speak to um, the quality of the audio description, what the audio description um, added to the program, um, what it didn't add to the program, anything that they liked and didn't like. And so um, for for DCMP, we've actually taken that feedback. You know, kids are brutally honest, which is good. That's what <laughs> that's what you want. Um, we've taken some of the feedback that um, that the kids have given us, um, particularly for the description that we're producing for fellow kids. Um, things like the the frequency of of identifying speakers and and just some of the other just nuances of of AD that um, you know based on our our best practices at the time, we just got feedback that that maybe they wanted something a little bit differently. So we we try to factor that into the overall equation on uh, how we're producing the, the audio description. Great. So it sounds like you have both formal and informal um, opportunities there for um, for people to get involved. So that's great. And you're right. I, um, you know, reading some of those essays, from yeah. kids, just, they, they do not mince words. Right, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, this is OK, but mm, <laughs> could have been better. And here's what could have been better. Um, what I also loved about reading the the essays is that, um, you know, so many of the kids were just, I remember a couple of them saying, why doesn't everything have audio description? Like, why did we have to like, you know, look so hard to find it? Why isn't everything audio described? I'm just like, yeah, good question, kid. Let's change the world. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it was, it's great to, to just to see the impact, um, what we, you know, whether they love the, the the description or not the description you know most of them um spoke very positively to just um how much how much description means to them and brings to their value of consuming that content so um it, that's 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 great to to get that reinforcement yeah yeah it was a lot of fun i think that and I know that um, I'm not supposed to, you know, have favorites, but I just, I used to be a teacher. The, the baby thing just warms my heart. I love it. <laughs> so, and, oh, but I'm, I also I'm, love- I'm hurt. I'm hurt that my media committee is not your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's time. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I also love theater because my first master's degree is in theater. So um, the, trying to smoothly transition to Jamie to tell us um to uh to how how you are able to involve um people with with blindness or, or visual impairment in your process at Wheelock. Yeah, so we do use blind consultants to give feedback on the um scripts that the audio describers have written and that can happen sometimes that happens the day before sometimes that happens the week before um and it's almost like a trial run so the describers will do it in real time um with in conduct 
conjunction with a show and then our consultants will give feedback so that the describers can edit certain things or they can have a conversation about like I didn't understand what this moment was on stage and they can talk through that and how best to describe it because sometimes with theater too there's only a short amount of window to get the information needed so we do use blind consultants. Great. Thank you. And Matt. Thanks. Um, uh, Bridge Multimedia has a uh, alignment with the New York State School for the Blind, officially known as the New York Institute for Special Education. And we use high school, we train and then use um, blind and visually impaired high school students as reviewers of scripts, of pilots, and then uh, uh, as the content comes back, they review uh, select episodes. Uh, sometimes if we're doing a uh, museum exhibit, um, that as well. But it's primarily, um, it's paid employment and they fill out an application and they have a job interview. So we incorporate into the whole um, engagement for the content review also, uh, a work experience. And then, as I said, they're, they're paid actually above minimum wage. And uh, we now have one individual who has graduated from the program is going into her second year in uh, college. And she is working for us also. Um, we're doing research into the dreaded area of AI voice, but primarily with the um, looking at it for uh, alternative text in textbooks and so on and so forth. And it's creating new employment opportunities for listening to the quality of AI voice and coming back as a voice director would do um, with human voice. But uh, we're piloting with this first um, uh, individual going into sophomore year. Also, when pre-COVID, we would often um, coordinate with events that were blind, low vision related and do focus groups, show uh, content in those situations uh, uh, and and get feedback Give give out some snacks or some fun and uh, make it a, an enjoyable thing and have a chance to uh, put it in a more relaxed situation like that. Um, and then thirdly, we have a number of either blind, uh, totally blind narrators who either work with Braille or with listening, sort of instant memorizing and then voicing on the spot or uh you those who are visually impaired who then use um assistive technology to be able to read the script and uh the other part of it is that we prepare the scripts in advance according to what is going to be most uh technology friendly to whatever the devices are that they use so those are the few a few of the ways yeah, that's that's great. I I love to the um the work yeah. experience there and I will um, be submitting my application. <laughs> well, when I did uh, Joel's audio description institute in February, he was kind enough to to let me audit, and um, it was you know very helpful as I 
um, you know, kind of a newbie to, to the world of audio description. Um, and uh, we did group projects and I got to, to be the voice talent for, for one of our clips. And I was, I was very excited about this. <laughs> harder than it looks, right? Um, I was most anxious to to make sure that uh, we had a clip of the um, the old um, uh, Agatha Christie series of Poirot. So I was just really anxious that I was going to say Poirot correctly. <laughs> that was my biggest fear. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it was fun. Well, well it, you were able to say his first name correctly. I don't know Ercule. That my my French vowels are terrible. My uh, my brother is always teasing me about that. He's a professionally trained singer, so he, you know, his pronunciation is huh, pitch perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, well, it, it was fun because it was something that I didn't think that I would be able to do. Um, and then it's just, you know, the audio description is just kind of the sequence of short sentences. And, you know, I didn't have to worry about the timing because our our, you know, computer whiz um, was doing the editing. So all I had to do was read a short sentence and pause for a few seconds and read another one. Like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, a little moment of empowerment there. So very nice. Um, great. So, great. Uh, Sam, tell us, I know you, you've already talked a little bit more about your, you know, complete inclusion um, there, but can you tell us a little bit more about, about that? Sure, Sam speaking. Um, the answer to your question about when to um, consult with a, a blind dis uh, describer on the team is always. Um, <laughs> we um, we always off we often have um, in in response to some of our audience surveys, which is is how we came to AD back in 2012. We had a blind actor on stage who said, "Why aren't you audio describing your shows?" Mm -hmm. um, so we've had blind cast members. We've had uh, a blind uh, trumpeter in the pit of our mu musical for Into the Woods, who was phenomenal. He was awesome. Um, but we always uh, um, have a blind uh, describer on the team. Uh, uh, for ASL, there's usually um, a deaf uh, coach for, for um, any type of good uh, um, ASL. So why should we skimp uh, for audio description as well? Um, and as part of my capacity and think outside the Vox, what we did with Vox is we've encouraged, strongly encouraged other theaters in Massachusetts to onboard um, blind experts on their AD teams as well. And I'm pleased to report that five new theaters in the Massachusetts area are now as a matter of course using uh, blind uh, consultants on their AD teams as well because uh, critical path, not just for narration, Tabitha, but also in the creation of the material and the vetting of the material, um, it, it's really important that you have a, an, an expert on your team. Great, thank you. Right. Carl, do you want to? Sure, and we're gonna go backwards this time because okay. Sam always goes last, we're gonna make Jason go last this time. So I'm gonna combine the next two questions um, in the interest of time so that you, and I know Matt potentially wants to show a clip too. So if there's a way for him to do that, that's fine too. So my question is to all of you, have you done or seen any research that shows how audio description specifically benefits children? And then the second part of that is, have you also seen how it benefits those outside the blind community, maybe 
people with other disabilities, whether it be hidden disabilities or on the spectrum or things like that. So first part of the question is, what does research show how audio description benefits children? And secondly, has that also has the research shown that it benefits other communities as well? Sam? Oh, sure, Carl. Hit me with the hard research question first. Sam speaking. Um, I'm not a researcher, uh, so I have not uh, had the time to delve into the studies uh, or anything, or ha actually have seen studies. I suppose I did a cursory review to see if there were studies and didn't find any when I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, but in our theater, anecdotally, I can tell you um, that the audio description uh, has a positive impact on children, just to give you a, a boots on the ground example. Um, when we did our Ask Me Fair and Dr. Mancaro was talking about her space flight and her audio describer um, was describing, you know, what children were asking questions and who had their hand raised and everything. Um, some of the children that were leaving that event were audio describing um, the traffic in the motorcycle in the parking lot and the, the assistance dog to their parents. So I'm pleased to report that we have a whole new generation of audio describers up and coming from that event. Um, and I also know that it's very beneficial for some of our neurodiverse uh, audience members. It's really helpful um, for them in, uh, in theater spaces. I often get reports too of a lot of um, parents that um, in the movie theater, not just in a theater space, but in a movie theater space where the action is overwhelming, like a, an action Marvel movie or something, um, the audio description is really helpful so that the, um, the viewer who is sighted can disengage, okay. close their eyes, but still not miss, not miss the events. Um, and in our specific theater, we have a chill out space where we broadcast the show on an ancillary screen around the corner from the theater with uh, comfortable chairs and whatnot. So if the action is overwhelming on stage, people can take a break and come and go. And I find that people who have the audio description headsets um, for the live performance theater take the headsets with them and are still enjoying the AD while they're you know walking in the lobby while they're even using the restroom frankly um and and while they're sitting in the ancillary chill out area so that they're not missing um missing the action on stage so i, I do think that there's a benefit I, I wish we could do more open ad i wish that um some of the some of all of what we did what we do is scripted and licensed and we have to apply for the rights and so it's a lot harder to do live ad as you have to slot in the narration um, but I wish we could do more open AD uh, in our theater for, for, for just that very reason. Okay, great. Thank you, Sam. I knew you would have, I knew you weren't strong in the research, but I knew you would have a lot of personal antidotes, which can be a form of research. And so you have personally seen the impact that it has made on children. Yes. So that, that's important. Matt, you probably have done research or at least have had people that work with you done research on the benefits of audio description. Yeah, our head of researcher you mentioned earlier, Dr. Wendy Sapp, um, has uh, continually conducted research and um, gone in and and done ex examinations of you know how how content how content is 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 um you know the whole comprehension factor and 
I uh, I I don't have that. I don't have any of the the specifics with me now. But what what I know, speaking in general terms, is that uh, when the description, I mean, it's a it's a two part thing. It goes back to what Jason was saying and um, what I mentioned as well that the way the description is written in the first place is a really important part of it and if if the goal of it is education description versus um just more um general or entertainment then there's more that can be done with it i know that a few years ago we were doing a series and there was a cartoon character uh that played basketball and again for young kids for kids who were born blind uh how do you you know how do you bounce a basketball what's the what's the whole what's the whole process of that and so we worked with uh with with someone who was a uh now I'm blanking on on uh for people in sports that do description come on uh help me out the anyway we we worked with her and she specifically gave us the way that it's been shown to be effective and uh uh word came back to us that that something like that was uh was was material ben beneficial but again it, it it's only going to be beneficial if the description is written with that in mind i think there could still be some incidental but that's one of the big differences between education description and um general and sort of in connection with that um particularly for those um tuning into this there's something called the expanded core curriculum, which is sort of the uh, standard, the curriculum standards, but there's a whole separate tier of them for um, students who are blind and visually impaired. And Texas School for the Blind was sort of the leader behind that. And so we we constantly go to the expanded core curriculum. And as we're writing description for, for children's description, we're always striving. And there's like 10 categories. Jason, you probably can rattle them off. I can't, I don't know them in my head, but even while we're talking, I could find it. But it, it, it involves things like activities of daily living skills. So it's, it's not, it, it, it's those, those skills that our kids um benefit from really specifically thinking about those topic areas and when expanded core curriculum uh uh points are built into the description then i can only anecdotally say that the benefits of the description are greater um because it's a it, it's a it's a one-two punch did you have something you wanted to share with us or yeah, no I, uh i i mean i i i there's there's a series there's a series that we did that was uh, on nickelodeon called poco yo and the interesting thing about this series is they were little three-minute animations and uh there's no um the characters don't speak 
it's all just uh, a narrator, a whimsical narrator. And um, um, we had the best time working on Pocoyo because uh, because it, it, it's 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 nothing but the narrator and uh, and the music and I, I that example that I mentioned earlier about putting the mouth into an O shape. Um, so I'm just going to play a minute or so of it, uh, and it doesn't matter if uh, anyone has video or not. That's the whole point. Um, so here's a little bit of Pocoyo. A cartoon starts with a title, Hush. A narrator we never see talks to a boy and a dog. Oh, hello, Pocoyo. Hi. Hello, Lula. A butterfly flies over Pocoyo's head. Um, Pocoyo? He looks at us. Pocoyo's mouth makes an excited O shape. Pocoyo tries to catch the butterfly. He misses. Oh, I see. Made a new friend, have you? Lula the dog wags her tail and chases the butterfly, too. Do you know what this lovely creature is called, Pocoyo? Pocoyo stops, puts an index finger on his chin, and thinks. Pocoyo shakes his head. No, the butterfly lands on his head. Can any of you tell Pocoyo what it is? Children we never see answer. Butterfly! It's a butterfly! Butterfly. That's right! It's a butterfly. So, you know, but puts his finger on his chin and thinks. Things like that are very intentional to introduce facial expressions and body language to kids who are born blind. And, um, um, you know, that's just, and, and we, we, uh, we, we had such a great time working on that series. Um, but that type of approach, again, it's, it, 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 it pulls in, it pulls in the learning about yourself into the way the description is done, which right. would not be the case for, for adults. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Jenny, uh, you may or may not have research like Tam, but at least uh, if you don't have research, do you have personal uh, stories that you can tell how you've seen firsthand it, you know that audio description has impacted children? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, Wheelock Family Theater has been doing description since 1992. It was our spring performance of Toad of Toad Hall. And since I knew you were going to ask this question, I tried to spend some time looking at some old archives and trying to see if I could find any research. You know, I was very lucky to inherit a lot of the practices that Wheelock Family Theater has put forth. Um, I've been with the theater full time since December of 2014. And while I couldn't find anything. Um, I was, I did kind of collect some stories from some of our past describers. And what I've, as we've been having this conversation, really been thinking about is that it's 
the it's not only for the youth that are present, but it's also for the actors, right? So one of our former actors who went through training um, and has worked with Sam and Gamelia Farms, she sent me a note that when she was performing in Once Upon a Mattress, that the students were so excited to do that tactile tour when she was still backstage and it had melted her heart and now she describes for us. Um, and that's just a really nice full circle moment we do have youth in our productions, um, depending on the production, and that we have we do have some youth that have now decided not to be actors. They've you know, but they are going moving forward to be uh, access providers. So there's one student who just graduated from college with a degree in theater and in um, ASL interpretation. And I know that she is trying to do working on both those things, those two big passions for hers. And that really came about our first rehearsal sort of culture and talking about it to the actors to then now, you know, as potential careers. So. Right. And Jason, I'm sure how your funding is mostly from the government. You've had to do a lot of research. You know, interesting, Carl, we're, we're actually not um, formally charged with research, um, but I wanted to speak a little bit about the the informal research that we do, again, touching back to the feedback that we get from clients and um, touching on um, the different disability groups that benefit from, um, from description and from accessible media in, in its entirety. Uh, we, because we, we don't actually um, query users on individual accessibility features. So the information I'm going to give is for, um, you know, any accessibility feature that, that a user may use. But we're seeing a trend where um, the, an increased number of students um, with intellectual disabilities, um, and other disability groups other than those with sensory disabilities, mm -hmm. those numbers are definitely um, increasing as far as use on our platform. And then in speaking to the benefits of, of audio description with kids, um, we actually send out a survey to every single individual who accesses a DCMP media item. Again, we're primarily working with um, the adults in the equation. So this is the, the teacher, this is the parent, um, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, one of the uh, questions that we ask is, um, you know, does does the use of this accessible content contribute to a better understanding of, of the content? Um, is it relevant to the curriculum? And has it contributed to improving student outcomes? And in all cases, we're you know in excess of ninety nine percent positive feedback in in those areas. So definitely, um, the adults in the in in the situation who are charged with um, working with students in in the educational space are seeing the benefit. We distribute content um, not only just that is is um, made accessible from um, our funding through DCMP, but we also have content that comes to us from from um, other groups, including Bridge. Um, DeCapta is, is another group that um, gets funding from the, the Department of Ed. And I wanted to share um, a comment. This is actually about a Daniel Tiger episode that um, Matt and his team did, but it's just a really, um, really nice comment. It's a, it's a grandmother. She wrote in and she said, my grandson is four years old and totally blind. A favorite activity for him is to listen to an episode of Daniel Tiger that is described. The descriptions make the episodes more meaningful to him, and it really helps to expand his language. He is very attentive when we play an episode with description. 
more so than when he watches a non-described um, episode. He smiles when we talk about Daniel Tiger, and he repeats some of the language used during the episode. So I don't know, that's just kind of a really cute um, direct um, feedback from um, someone talking about the impact for their young student. Sorry, I have to audibly clap for that. You want to try to take a question or two from the audience? Or yeah, what sure. Do do? Joel. <laughs> oh, no, Joel's not allowed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Wow, this is a great session, Tabitha and Carl. Congratulations. And it's great to uh, see my buddies, Matt and Jason, and meet uh, new friends, Sam and, and Jamie as well. Uh, the uh, I'm Joel Snyder. I, I founded the Audio Description Project. I've been working with description since 1981. With respect to research, um, you know, everybody knows there's been plenty of research on how captions help inspire literacy. We need that same kind of structured research on how description does the same thing. Description allows, allows people to, to uh, hear comparisons, increased vocabulary, use of similes. Um, I believe strongly that it helps to build literacy. And there has been some study on that in Europe. I'll see if I can't pull a couple of those uh, research articles out. So uh, I wanted to respond to that note. And, and the other thing I wanted to say and actually ask, um, I just came back from Indianapolis where I, I did six sessions on audio description for the International Thespian Festival. These are high school actors. Uh, and I, I, as a former high school teacher myself, I was really excited to be able to turn kids, young kids, onto what audio description is. Uh, I'm wondering, it, I, I, to my way of thinking, there's a dearth of description in high school theater and even college theater. And that's my question. Have any of you guys come across folks working with high school theater uh, and audio description or college theater or even community theater and description. Uh, I think we need to do a lot more with that. Uh, this is Matt. Joel, um, I know there's a lot of community theaters that do it. There's the, what's it called? The St. George Theater in New Brunswick, New Jersey, near Rutgers University. And uh, I, I know there's, 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 and what about the folks in in Minneapolis, right? Yeah. And Sam, Sam, I think you had your hand up too. Uh, yeah, I am um, Joel. I'm not sure about everywhere in the country, but um, in the New England area, um, I do know that um, there's a local high school who has started with AD. Um, they also brought captioning in ASL, but uh, we share a choreographer, so I think that she brought it to her her local school. And I know that Yale Rep, one of uh, one of our describers also just described a performance over at Yale Repertory Theater in Connecticut. Um, but I don't know of a lot of youth theaters that are doing uh, high school and college theaters that are doing AD, sadly. Do you guys want to make, do any of you want to make up uh, a wrap up statement, a uh, conclusion? Uh, Jason? We'll go to sure. Um, just share that uh, DCMP's website is dcmp.org. Um, the the majority of the content there, um, again, is targeted for kids. Uh, users have to qualify for membership to uh, to get access, but we do have probably close to about two thousand media items that the producers um, have allowed us to make openly available. So we do have some um, content that may be applicable to age ranges outside of kids. So um, please come to dcmp.org and you can check out some of that content and uh, appreciate having the opportunity to speak today. Jeremy? Yeah, 
absolutely. Our website is wheelockfamilytheater.org. Uh, you can email our email address and contact is on the website as well. Um, we also have a phone number that if you can call, um, it's 617-353-3001. That's the box office and they can direct you to any person on our staff that you'd like to talk to. Um, we have a full 23-24 season ahead of us starting in October and November with the Adams Family. And then in the February and March 24 slot, we will be doing Mr. Popper's Penguins and closing our season with A Wrinkle in Time. Um, so if anybody is interested in, you know, coming up to Boston and seeing any of those productions, we would love to have you. I want to see who you cast as Herman Munster. I don't know the casting yet, but, you know, hopefully that'll be released soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, I forget the order. Matt. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for this opportunity. And uh, just to sort of oh. underscore the importance of, of doing the work to understand child development, social-emotional learning, and the expanded core curriculum as far as before any audio description writing starts and then um once and then tying i didn't really say this but also tying in with the with the tv producers and um some of the producers we work with they actually review every single audio description script even series we've been doing for five years or more where we've done over a hundred episodes they look at every single script and uh it's really important to establish that partnership with the television producer um because it's going to make the description better and they're going to feel a buy-in to it and if there's ever a question uh they're always in our corner for description so thank you again for this opportunity. BridgeMultimedia.com is where you find us. Samantha, do you want to uh, talk about both Open Door Theater and Think Outside the Box, how people can get in touch with you? Uh, sure, Sam speaking. Um, I'd actually rather answer your last question, Carl, that you didn't ask, which is what would we like to see for the future of audio description, Okay. children's audio description and Audio well, then make that your quality statement. Yeah, it will be. Um, I, I mean, my wish list obviously is to, to have more audio description. I would love to be able to turn on my television and have the AD travel with the piece so that it's not different than it was in the theater. I'd love to be able to always get that AD when I need it. I would love to be able to have um, the audio description um, have more of a diversity of voice and be able to have more representation in audio description and have the audio describers that I'm hearing match the tone of the piece and not remove the user from the from the from the description entirely. Um, our organization think outside the box is going to do a little more with that. Um, we've discovered that when we did a BIPOC audio describer training, um, people that come naturally to audio description, which is exciting, are interpreters. Um, we had one woman that was a multilingual interpreter uh, who does uh, Portuguese and Afro-Indigenous languages, and she's also an actress, so she's a wonderful describer, and it just came naturally to her, and she's been doing a lot of describing in the Boston area, and so our next um, BIPOC audio describer training, we're hoping to um, have more bilingual, multilingual describers uh, so that there's more of a, a diversity of voice in, in description. 
Um, we're at www.opendoortheater.er.org and www.thinkoutsidethebox, no spaces, with box with a V.org. Thanks for having us today. Tabitha, do you have anything to say before we turn it over to Sheila for the CEU? Only that I'm really sad that I'm too old to play Meg in Wrinkle in Time. Okay, great. Well, thank you. <laughs> on, on behalf of the Audio Description Project, Tabitha and myself, I think we had a great panel and we learned a lot and we appreciate your dedication and commitment to audio description. And, and thank you again to our panelists. It was, um, it was a lot of fun to, to hear what everyone is doing.